0: But this morning, what I want to do is, uh, I want to attempt to give you a different lens. You know, if you if you've got, uh, I've got sh- oh, shepherds. I've got short hair. I can't see that thing. It's a bit dark now. Um, I've got short hair and uh, and sunglasses on now. So it's like um, I don't know if it's Top Gun or something like that. I don't know. But but. Uh, just, uh, I want—I want to attempt this morning to give us a different lens for the gospel. We're—we're we're heading into Easter. We—we're going to get back to Joshua after Easter, but we're heading into Easter on Sunday, and this weekend coming up. And I want to attempt to give us a bit of a different lens for the gospel. And uh, we in a series, and we wanted to start last week, but God ended up breaking in, and we did something else completely different. But i want, I want to attempt to shift our lens a little around what the gospel is. And we labeled this series, More Than. And I want to say this morning, it's more than a formula, it's a story. More, it's more than a form. the gospel is more than a formula than a story. So often if you said to somebody, why did Jesus die on the cross? Some of the legit, legitimate uh, answers would be to forgive my sins. Or so that I could go to heaven because actually I'm a sinful person, deserving of death, and Jesus did that on my behalf. You'd, if I said to you, what, why did Jesus die on the cross, what would your answer be? And I think a lot of those answers would be around what Jesus did for me. And so what happens is we have a mindset that actually we're at the center of the gospel. But I want to shift that this morning and I want to show you something about the gospel because the gospel was never, ever preached like that by Jesus. And so, In fact, some argue that Jesus didn't preach the gospel. Shame. Jesus was born on the wrong side of the cross. Friends, Jesus was the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. Everything he did was the gospel being foretold, being told by action in his body, in his physical being and in his actions embodied by him and so you have this and what happens is is that we take paul and we read paul we think that paul told the gospel but jesus didn't when in fact paul was the one that interpreted the gospel that jesus spoke of for his day and age in his time for in the in the context that he was in and so i want to start i want to shift our lens and give us a new lens give us a bigger lens give us a, a lens that actually makes Jesus way bigger than you or me. Actually, it's fundamental. It's so, it's, it's so worldview-changing for me. When I started to understand this a number of years ago, when I was studying, I started reading a whole lot further and, and starting to understand that the gospel, the reason why the gospel is good news, is not primarily because Jesus died for our sin. It's part of that. Oh, yes, that's what we get. But actually when you read the Gospels, and let's read a couple, let's have a look at 2 Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 8. This is Timothy's version of the Gospel. 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my Gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. So Timothy's Gospel said this. Remember, Jesus Christ. Remember, Christ is not Jesus' surname. Christ is Messiah, anointed one. When you say Christ in the context of Jesus' day, they were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the anointed one that was going to come and liberate them. So when you say Jesus Christ, that's loaded with information and loaded with context. Raised from the dead. There were many pretenders, many so-called messiahs. Jesus was not the first one to come along to be the one that was going to save the Jews. There were many before him, but none of them were, many of them died, all of them died, but not, no, no other except Jesus was raised from the dead. You see, being raised from the dead put him into a category of his own, of which is unbelievably good news for us, which we celebrate next week. Descended from David, Timothy says. So, so Timothy's gospel is Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. You see, his, his descended from David means he's part of a story. It means that David's line and lineage and all that happened in the Old Testament, Jesus was part of that big story. Let's have another look at one, the way, one of the ones that Jesus preaches. Let's have a look at Mark chapter 1. Verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. Proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus' gospel was... The good news from God is about to happen. It's at hand. It's near. You've got to, un- you've got to change the way you see things. You've got to put your, another lens on. You've got to change the way you see things so that you can see what God is doing and ultimately what God is doing in me, Jesus would say. You see what I'm saying? There's a, there's a bigger context. So it works like this. If you can put the, that PowerPoint on, please. You see, if I showed you that picture, what would, what would the meaning of that picture mean? That, that picture I got from a specific site, on a, there's a specific moment that that that's, that's Formula One racing car was doing that. What is that? It's a crash? Uh, victory? ah i know you won the chinese grand prix He's my boy key that guy but actually if you looked at that that picture was taken when lewis hamilton at the end of 2018 won the won the, the driver's championship and started to do donuts around the the track as he it's, a, it's actually a celebration it's not a crash but when you first look at that you think well that could be a crash what happened there what's going on here did he spin it was he in a race and spinning and he managed to pull himself out No, no, that was actually a victory celebration by Lewis Hamilton. But unless you know the story of it, you don't really make sense of that picture. What about this one? When you look at that picture, what does that mean to you? A criminal? A man suffering? Was it legitimate suffering? Did he deserve to be there? What was that? I mean, looks like a cross, looks like looks like he's in a lot of pain. What does that mean? You see friends, unless you know the story, that picture of Jesus on the cross, cross becomes about you and about your forgiveness of sin. But friends, it's a much bigger story, and it is better news than what you think. Because the death of Christ on the cross is part of a story that God has been telling that was pivotal in the kingdom coming and in the dispensation in the age in which we now live. It is absolutely fundamental. And if we can get, start to understand the bigness of the story that we are in, friends, it will put such courage into us rather than the formula that we apply. Well, the barcode, as Dallas Willard says, that you get. I've got the barcode. I said yes to Jesus. Now, when I go through the flames, I seize the barcode, and I go the other way. You know that the statistics, conservatively, are 50% of people that make decisions don't last their faith. So 50% of people fall away. Must I tell you why they fall away, friends? is because they don't get saved into a story. They get saved into something that's actually more about them than about God. And so I want to this morning tell you a brief story that we're heading into on the weekend. It's a story where Jesus is the hero. It's a story that Jesus comes and pulls all the strings together together, and creates a new age and a new dispensation in which to live. Jesus is the hope of glory. He is the hope of a nation. He's been the hope since creation. And he comes on that moment 2,000 years ago, and everything changes, friends. The cosmos shook when Jesus died on the cross. It wasn't about you and me. It was about the universe experiencing that creator in the midst of this incredible story Dying on behalf of humanity, restoring what God was lost in the garden through Adam and Eve so that actually they can move into what God originally had planned for them. It is absolutely profound. And so let's have a look here. The story that God is showing, that God is telling. What we need to do is you go through the book of Acts and look at the gospel stories that they tell. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, 7, 10, 11, 13... 14, 17, there's all gospels, there's stories. Every single one of the ways that they tell the story is never that Jesus died for your sins so that you can be forgiven. It's always linked to a story. It's always linked to the big picture. This is what God's doing, and now we get to be part of that story. And you see, what happens is when you put those lenses on, we ask different questions. We don't ask the question, what's the least I can do so that I can be saved? We don't ask the question, well, if the saved, always saved. What we do is we ask the question, God, you are Lord, what must I do? So let's have a look at what we've got here. The gospel is more than a formula. It is a story that is lived. Leslie Newbegin said this, The way we understand human life depends on what conception we have of the human story what is the real story of which my life story is a part? He says, what is the real, what's the what's the story, your story, what is your story a part of? The way we understand our humanity and the way we understand we should live our lives out depends on the story that you think you're part of. Remember, friends, we get born into competing stories. When you get born into this world, you're in a family, you're with parents, you're with Whatever the context or lack of parenting or whatever it is or destitute or wealthy, you get born into a story that you start to believe. But the gospel comes in and takes the story completely differently and we don't just get saved and we don't just make a decision. We actually get converted into a different story. That's what Leslie Newbigin said. This is what Alistair McIntyre said. He said, I can only answer the question what I am to do if I can answer the prior question of what story do I find myself a part? How do I live my life as a Christian? You've got another story you're part of. It didn't start with us. It started way back in the garden. At the beginning of creation, and before that, as, as God had in mind. And so the story is something like this: the gospel story. It starts with the creation of all things. It start, it, it, in the midst of it, it gets messed up in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. It, there's a fall. There's sin enters in. There's, there's, a, there's a rejection of the, the authority of God. Man and, and, uh, and woman lose the authority that they are given to take that garden that God put them in and to extend its boundaries throughout the earth. You see, the very issue that was put on Adam and Eve was a missional mandate it was go and extend the borders. Go and take the light that you have. Eden means pleasure. Take the pleasure from which you were born and take that and spread it over the whole earth. And do it in relationship with me. Come with me. Walk with me. You've got a garden to tend and to take care of. Go and do it. And what happens is they get interrupted, they get deceived by an enemy that comes and says, You don't want to be, you, don't, you, you, you really want to be like God then do this, and they listen to him, and they give away the authority that was rightfully theirs to go and extend the mandate that God put on their lives. But in that space right there, friends, the gracious hand of God, please do not in the story, the grace of God is not a New Testament thing. The grace of God is right from the beginning. God is gracious, God is merciful, that's who he is infinitely and eternally. There's the grace of God manifested right throughout the Bible. And right in that space, right there, He starts a redemptive plan. He kills an animal and clothes them. Straight away you know there's going to need to be death to, to, to unravel the story or to get back what was lost. And so there's a redemption story starting to be played out. And then what God does in the middle of this is He promises us that this story is not going to be a, an annihilation story of earth. It's going to be a restorative story of earth and what was lost. He's going to restore. So God is into restoration. God is into redemption. God is into taking things that are not and making them as though they were. Things that were broken, he he fixes. He doesn't just throw the stuff away. He puts us back together again. And he says, "Now you can be who you were called to be. So it's this this restorative, new creation story that he is going to land on. And ultimately, friends, our hope is that Jesus will return, and when he returns, all of the heavens and all of the earth, or the whole earth, will be a new heaven and a new earth, and God will restore back to its original plan and beyond, and better, I would imagine, what was created, what was lost in the garden. So that's our hope. So we're in the trajectory of that story. And so what God does... Is he creates, he calls Adam, he calls Abraham. And he says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm gonna form a people out of you. You are nobody, Abraham. You are far out of the reach of anybody. Nobody would think that you would even know me. But I'm choosing you, and from you, you're gonna have descendants more numerous than the sand and the seashore, uh, than the, than the, the, the stars in the heaven. And I'm gonna out of you create a people. And that people are gonna be my inheritance. And that people are going to represent me on earth, and they are going to begin to explain and to live out and to be the kind of people that I always intended Adam and Eve to be. And so Israel is formed with a specific mandate to be the light of the world to the nations of the world. The problem is they get formed and they get corrupted. God sends prophets to them to try and uncorrupt them and get them back on track. They don't listen. Eventually, he sends them off to exile. Friends, in the midst of exile, God has not forgotten his plan. In the midst of exile, God is still moving, God is still working, and he wants these people to become everything they are called to be. So instead of being the light to the world and influencing the world, the world influences them, and they become like the world that that they're living in. But God doesn't give up his plan, friends. God doesn't give up his plan, and he starts to promise them that there will be an Israelite that will come that will represent Israel and all that was lost, and Adam, and all that was lost in Israel, and all that was lost in humanity, and that man will come and he will die. Well, actually, they don't know he's gonna die, but they just promise that there's a Messiah coming that's gonna make everything right, because they get confused when he dies. And so there's this prediction that Jesus would come along. When Jesus does come along, he dies, and they think, oh, it's all over. But actually, the very death was actually the beginning of new life. And that was the greatest victory that could have happened. And actually, and the, the good news is this, friends, is that Jesus, this is the good news, this is the gospel, that Jesus is the king of all creation. You see, in the resurrection, the good news is, the good news is, Jesus is king, Jesus is Lord. That is the big picture. that's the 30,000-view foot, foot view of actually the gospel. Jesus is king. No matter what happens is, Jesus is king, and he is expressing his kingship through us the church. And so He births the church, the New Testament people of God, that get added to Israel, not replacing them. they get added to the, to the, to the mandate that was actually given to, to Israel to go and take this word throughout creation and to bring His name and take glory. Bring His glory to to all the nations. And so what happens, friends, is we have a little picture like this. A little picture like this. That's fallen creation. That's this age. The Bible talks about age, this age, and the age to come. Eternal life is life from the age to come. So when you get born again, you get given eternal life. Not then, now. You have eternal life residing in you, God gives you life of the ages to come now in this age. And so what happens is in the story, in Jesus, he breaks into this fallen creation where the power of sin and death and evil and Satan is all over the place, which is what it is. He breaks in in the cross. Jesus breaks in his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. He breaks in, and actually, what he does is he he establishes a beachhead that all that see him as king and lord. Friends, you know, in the scriptures, you are to see Jesus as king and lord before you to see him as savior. The problem is, we see him as savior and not lord, and we separate those two things. What God has put together, I want to say, let man not separate. And what happens is, is in that separation, we lose 50% of the people that are making decisions for Jesus because we're telling them it's all about them rather than this king that has come that we are subservient to, that we are to adore, that we are to worship, that we are to praise, that we are to obey. And out of that place, he makes a plan for you to walk into freedom through forgiveness and mercy and grace. That's the technical back end. The front end is Jesus is Lord of all creation again. Matthew chapter 28 says this. When the disciples got together, they worshipped him. Why? Because they saw him as God. They realized this is God. And then he says, all authority. And and it says, some of them doubted. And then he says to them, he says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given back to me. You see, Jesus is king with all authority. There is no other name greater than the name of Jesus. When we understand that's the God we serve and that's the story we're in, we're gonna see you start to process things slightly differently. So in this age to come, it breaks in now. It breaks in now. So in Christ, in Jesus, when you, have, when you, when you put your faith in the king, you have eternal life. You are made ready for that day when He arrives. Or you are made ready for that day when you trans, uh, move from this life into the other through death. You see, death is not a, de- uh, a destination. It's a transition. And so when we put our faith in Jesus, actually everything that He has becomes our portion. And we get to live out now what will ultimately be full on when He returns again. And so we have the renewing and the restoring power of the Spirit that breaks in through the life of Jesus. You see, friends, this is the story that we are in. And we're in that overlapping story of an age which is, under the, which is sinful and evil and the power of God in Christ that has broken in and said, no longer is that going to be, I've already started a new age. I've already come in advance and I want my people that to put their trust back in me and start to live lives that represent the story that we're heading to now in the midst of this fallen age. So what happens is, is the way like for example, authority. The world understands authority as you're the boss. Jesus says they lord it over them. But actually in my kingdom, my people that are in my spirit, that trust me, they fully, they're totally not like that. Actually, authority is something that serves It's not something that Lord's over. So what happens is is he completely changes the game because of the story. But friends, remember, we're part of a story. It started there. We live in this age now, but man, we're heading somewhere absolutely superb and amazing in time to come when Jesus returns. So what does this mean? What does this mean for us, though? Jesus is Lord of all. The gospel is this is that Jesus is king. The good news is is that Jesus is king. He has all authority. He he is nothing that is outside of his authority. He is the king. And all who come to the king and receive the king and acknowledge his kingship come into him and he resides in them through the life of the Holy Spirit and actually begin to live the king's life now before the king fully returns later on. And so we are become, the church by its very nature is a prophetic people. So we're starting to live a life now that, is only, that, is, that we can live now by the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, looking after the poor, looking after the disenchanted, looking after the broken, looking after those that are in debt, looking after breaking in now, breaking into our lives, healing, restoring now, pointing to everybody to the time when that King is coming again, And all things will be renewed. Come now and enjoy the benefit of the kingdom. It means this, friends. And the question is this. Is what story are you living out? What story are you living out of? So what happens is we get saved, but we don't get converted to the story. We don't change stories. We still stay in our story. What the church has got to do, it's got to move stories. It's got to change tracks. What the gospel does, it gets us into another track. It gets us into a different story. Now the motivation for doing what we do, friends, is not law and grace. It's not legalism. It's because I'm living the story. Holiness is because I want to live a holy life because God is a holy God, and I want to represent Him well, and I want to live out the story well. It's not because the preacher said or the Bible said or, or some kind of, I'm trying to do this. No, no, God, the, the process of discipleship is actually starting to live that story more and more and more as we follow Jesus in the story because Jesus is the hero of the story. So the gospel is all about Jesus, friends. It's about Jesus and what he did and how he's changing things and the plans that he has for all of mankind and all of the world. It changes our motivation. Not only does it change our motivation, but when we understand that we're part of a story, there's no part of our lives that are untouched by that story. There isn't a church life and the non-church life. Well, I've got my barcode now. Now I can go and do what I do Monday to Friday as I like. No, 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 you're in a story. You're telling a story. The very fact that you say you see Christ as king, Means that you change stories, and now the story you're telling is prophetic. The story that you're telling is actually explaining to people through the way that you live, through your attitudes, through the way you speak, through the way you do business, through the way you do teaching, through the way you understand life. It's actually telling them a story about Jesus, and it's taking your our very lives become channels towards Jesus because we're living a story. We're living out of a story. Jesus being the center means that the story of God governs my life. The story that God had for Israel, friends, that's why you don't just say that the law was Old Testament and doesn't apply anymore. It's part of the story in the law that God gave to his people. The law was given to those people so that they would know how to live, not as slaves, but as sons and daughters, in a world that was very different to what they came out of under Pharaoh. They didn't understand it 400 years of slavery God blesses them with the law. He blesses them with this these these these, these precepts and these these things this is what I want you to do. All that all the other all the other nations aliens come into them they kill them because they don't want to be part of somebody that's different. For you you're going to be different. When somebody comes that's not part of you and they come into you Don't let them change you, you might need to change them, but they can come into you and they need to start to live and they need to start to see the glory of the God that you serve. It's different, we're in a different story. For example, because of the story. You see, baptism is the physical act of obedience declaring we're in a different story. We've died to the old story. We've raised to life in Jesus, and we're now in a different story. We're now living a story. We're now living a bigger story, and it's not just about my story and my life. My story fits into that bigger story. My, Jesus doesn't follow us; we follow Jesus, and this is what it means. But if we don't understand, we're in a story, and you think, "Well, I've crossed the line now. Actually, I'm good. Doesn't matter what I do. Da da da. I'm going to heaven. No friends." It's way bigger, more profound than that. It's more life changing, it's more world changing than that. It's there's a story that we're living. And that story, friends, when we back up, where the Holy Spirit blows on that story when we start to tell the story of Jesus, when we start to live the story of Jesus, when we start to say that Jesus is king and we declare that Jesus is king and actually because he's king, everything changes for me and actually I receive all that he's done for me in his forgiveness, in his mercy, as Sheena was saying this morning, in his grace and his kindness and his generosity. Actually, I'll become that because that's the story he's told and so I'll become that kind of person. Not because I have to, but because that's the story I got saved into. From the beginning, from the beginning, that was the story. Yeah. Communion becomes a continual reminder that we're in a story. Every time we break bread, we start to understand that Jesus' blood and his body was monumentally life-changing, cosmic-altering and event that actually I'm part of, and that's part of the story I'm in. Yeah. We're in a story. There's no part of our lives that untouched. When we understand we're part of the story, it removes all the separations that we put in our lives. As I said, what God put together, let man not separate. Sacred and secular. Friends, there's no such thing as sacred and secular. Worldly and holy. Actually, everything about our lives is meant to be sacred when you're in the story. Everything we do, there's nothing that is more sacred than other things. Because when you're in the story of Jesus, you're a holy person. You're separated. You, you're not just in the way you live and on a journey of being becoming more holy, but you're in a holy story. You're in a separate story. You're in a different story. It takes away the separations. What about private and public? There's no such thing as a private faith and a public living out, friends, when you're in a story. You tell the story wherever you are. Wherever you find yourself, you tell the story. When you're speaking to somebody that needs healing, you tell them the story of healing and about the healer. And you flow in the story. When you speak, sing to somebody that's poor, and, you, and you're speaking to them, and actually you tell them the story of Jesus, and you, and you release generosity. There's no such thing as public or private, sacred or secular. secular. Friends, the idea that actually we were, we were saved so that we can go to heaven is true, but it is a minute part of what we call to in the story. You weren't saved so that you can go to heaven. You were saved so that you could bring heaven to earth now prophetically under the spirit of God. You see, you're in a different story. And ultimately what will happen, heaven will so come to earth when Jesus comes, it all changes to become heaven, not heaven and earth. All heaven, earth becomes a new heaven and earth what happens is it mo- removes the separation that actually preaching from the, from the front is more holy than somebody that's in politics or somebody that's in ecological sciences or whatever it is. Because, friends, it doesn't matter where you find yourself at, as long as you're living the story, Jesus is being glorified. Yeah. It takes these separations out, and what we've done is we've separated it because we've made things something sacred and something secular. And so actually preaching is more holy than being a mathematician, or being a Uber driver. Friends, we tell the story wherever we are. We storytellers of a King who has come to save. It separates the King and the Kingdom. So what happens is we want the Kingdom without the King. That's not the story, friends. Jesus' thing. The Kingdom has come. Why? Because the King's come. If we want to live in the kingdom, we have a king. That's the good news is that the king is here. What about personal and communal? We separate personal lives and our communal lives, our community lives. Friends, the story that God told, He didn't choose a person to tell the story of His goodness. He chose a people called Israel. The only time he chose a person was to represent the people. And there's only one person that represents the people on behalf of God and behalf of people, and his name is Jesus. He is the only mediator, there's no other way to God and from God, he is the one. But actually, he chooses a people. In in the Old Testament, it was Israel. In the New Testament, friends, there's this this group of people called the church. It is diverse, it's all sorts, it's a ragtag bunch. In fact, some of them, not many of them were wise and not many of them were, were come from noble birth. They were a bunch of ragtag people, but by the power of God, because of the story they're in, they get empowered to live lives that they would never be able to live outside of that story. It means this, friends, that we live a lifestyle of Repentance. that unfolds what that story looks like in our lives. What I mean by a lifestyle of repentance, I mean this. Friends, there's never a moment that we've arrived in this story. There's always more. And we've got to continually reorganize and change our lenses so that we can see more clearly what God is doing in our lives and through our lives and in the people around us. It's a continual story of growth into maturity as we follow Jesus. And Jesus is our prime example, a human, a human being that we look at and we say, God, not only are you king now, seated at the right hand of the Father, but actually you're somebody that I just want to be like. I just, you're somebody that I just want to fall in love with. Jesus, it's actually about you, and I want you, I want to live the story that you're telling, that you've started telling and you continue to tell by the power of the Spirit. It means you've got to have a lifestyle of repentance. It's a lifestyle of acknowledging and changing the way we think and changing the way we see things. It's a lifestyle of that. For the rest of our lives, that's the story living, friends. When Jesus returns, all will be made new and everybody will be what they were called to be. But until then, friends, we learn to walk by the Spirit in the story that Jesus is telling. It's a beautiful thing. I'll end with this. There's a few more that we can finish off tonight. But if we understand that we're in a story and not having crossed the line, we understand this is that the story is not finished. It's not finished. We've got a job to do. Actually in the story, everybody gets to play. In the story, gifts are given to the church. In the story, manifestation of the Spirit is given to people in the moment so that the story can be kept on being told of how good God is and how kingly He is and how amazing He is. But the job is not finished, friends. That's why the nation's beckon because God wants the nation's back. And that's part of the story that He's telling, and that's part of the story that we're in. And we don't have a choice to decide whether we're in that, what, what God's will is and That story is what we want to be behind, and so the story is not complete. Acts 29 beckons. Acts, the book of Acts, has only got 28 chapters, but there's another chapter, Acts 29, that, that we are meant to write as the church. That we would start to tell the stories of what God is doing. That a man, a young man who, who was far from God because of the prayers of a friend and because of the prayers of his father. Came to know Jesus and came to give his, put his life into the story. Stories, these, these, these testimonies of what the story is doing in my life and how it's affecting others, friends. This, the, it's not finished. It means this that it's not optional, extra. The mission of the church It's not an optional extra. Church planting, and the, which is the most effective way of evangelizing the word, world, is church planting. That is not finished. We've still got lots of work to do because there's still a story to tell. Very good. And I'm hoping I'm conveying something of a lens shift for us, that when we can start to see ourselves in a story that God's telling, it changes our motivations, it changes the way we see things, it changes, we, we're patient, friends. We're in a story. It it's t- takes time to unfold. And there's, not, and there's good times and there's bad times. It doesn't mean that the story changes. It's still the same story. God is king. Jesus is king. And we live like that for the rest of our lives in anticipation of his return. And if, he's not, if he doesn't return by the time we go to meet him rather than him coming to meet us, that's okay. Because it's, he's still part of the story. No part of our lives is untouched by this story, friends. We ask different questions in the story. We don't ask, what's the minimum I can do to be saved? No, no, in the story, what's next, Lord? We don't ask questions. We ask these, all these questions because it, 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 it kind of confuses and re- reduces it down to me. Actually, no, we're part of a big story. It's more than me. It's about His story. Let's start asking questions about his story that he's telling in Durban. You know that Durban's got a story. You know South Africa's got a story in God. You know that you have a story in God that is effective in the life of this church, that's effective in the life of this city, that's effective in the life of this province, that's effective in the life of this nation, that's effective in the life of the nations of the world. We have a story to tell, and we want to live that story. We don't want to just tell it. We want to live it. We invite people into our community so they can experience the story that God's telling It brings the big picture into all of our lives, friends. And I want to encourage us to put the lenses on this Easter and start to read the Scriptures through the story of God and the story that He's telling. So that actually when we see see this, when we see that picture, it profoundly changes our lives profoundly affects the way we see things and actually what it does it puts us on our knees in worship to the king saying that you are king that you are lord thank you for receiving me thank you for forgiving me but father we've got work to do what must i do next in jesus name amen Amen.